0: Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners.
1: The chair of this session is John Walsh, who lives in Bear Island and is Projects Coordinator for the Bear Island Projects Group. He's also a board member of Corning Ilan and Cogol Ilan Naharan, as well as chair of ESIN, the European Small Island Federation. So thanks very much for taking this on, John. I'm going to hand over to you.
2: Okay, thanks very much, Trish. Um, As Trish said, my name is John Watson. I live in Bear Island, and I'm also chair of Eason. and we're very happy to be involved today with the Virtual Island Summit and with the Irish Hub. Um, Just to give people a bit of background on Eason, it was set up over 20 years ago, and we work with um, around 1,600 islands and with about 350,000 islanders across Europe, and we kind of work at local, national and EU level um, and it was kind of set up really like when we're speaking today about the connections across the world that islands need to make. The reason that Eastern was set up really was to get um, Islanders connected just to share information and network. That was the kind of simple task at the very start and is after growing into a, a fairly strong lobbying organization now and they're working with different partners across Europe um, and they're recognized as, as a strong um, Island advocate um, in Europe. So it's great to see it. Um, So like my view of this morning, um, first of all, when you look at the list of participants, I think we have one of the strongest group gatherings of Island advocates um, here today. I I know a lot of people um, here today and they've done a lot of great work for islands over the years. So it's fantastic to see all of you here today and um, all of you taking part. Um, I know everybody's kind of zoomed out at the moment, but (laughs) it really is a great way to get us together. We're here this morning for two hours talking about islands, and in the past we might have to travel three days to get to a destination to talk about islands, so it's great to be here today, um, sitting in Bear Island, spend two hours of this, and we can carry on with the rest of our lives after that, so it's fantastic, um, and I think it's the way forward. Um, so today um, we, had, we had great speakers all along, and I was really impressed with your presentation there and, and the photos that you had, I see a lot of people in the photos. I actually see Jackie Sullivan from Bearine looking at his mescantus that he planted maybe 10 years ago. So it's great yeah. to see the old uh, photos as <laughs> well. So well done. Thank and you. Brendan and Sarah, um, fantastic presentation so far. But I think we're going we're gonna to live up to the, what went ahead of us um, with the list of speakers we have now. Um, so our talk today is all about sustainability. And if you Google what does sustainability mean, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And I think, Really what it means is the future gener- or the, the generations of today need to mind what they have so they can pass it on to the, the next generation. So I'm really delighted today to welcome the pupils of Bear Island, Scolby, and Bear Island. Like It's a great school. My kids went there. Actually, my daughter went to town yesterday for the first time. It's the first time that we don't have kids in Scolby, Hinafa for 13 years because they're all after moving on. But it's an excellent school with excellent teachers. The kids get a great education. But one thing I think we miss sometimes, and I hope the kids are listening. I know they were getting um, busy with other stuff. There to go. Is we need to listen to the voice of the young people. A lot of time, the voices of the young people are missed out, and I think that's a mistake with island development. I think we always need to include the, the young people. Their voice is probably the most important voice of all. And earlier this year, the department had um, meetings looking at developing policies for islands, and we have a new teacher in the school. Um, Rockton, who's the new principal and she actually brought the kids to the the meeting and if you see how the kids engage with the process and putting up the sticky notes and what they wanted and their ideas are fantastic and they have to be listened to and I think if we take anything from today is that the kids if we're, if we're doing anything for islands we have to look at the future and we have to really ensure that we take on board what the young people want Um so it's great to see so well done to the the children for listening in today and I think any, any future event, I think we have to make sure that we get the kids involved. Um, it's so important. So just to say a little bit about Bear Island, like Bear Island is, is in the southwest of Ireland, a population of about 170. There's about 18 kids in the school. Um, you know, we've a lot of history. We were a British Army military base up to 1938. Um, so a lot happening in Bear Island um, that way. The community radio has been a huge um, kind of success story. And you could see the presentation that Sarah gave there, the importance of the, the community radio in archiving what's happened in the past and, and saving them stories, but also allowing um, Michael and Ulton there to, you know, to look at the Farmers Journal and kind of review farm machinery um, in one of the programs, which is great to see. Um, so this three, three speakers we have today, um, three great, great people, I know them all fairly well. Um, first of all, we have George Sullivan, who owns Bear Island Boat and Bear Island Boat is one of the success stories of oil and businesses in the last 20 years. I think at the start, people are saying, what the hell is he doing? Digging a, a big hole in the, in the sea. But it's, it's turned out that he was right in what he was doing. And Jor is, is, is the real entrepreneur. Um, he has all great ideas and that he puts into practice. And um, it's great to see a success story. Actually, my son worked there during the summer. And it's a great um, a skill for young people to learn. And Gerard is looking to develop the, the, the shipwright sector in Ireland. is after stopping. Like we're a coastal country and we don't have any shipwrights. And years ago, BIM used to run the, the shipwright courses and that stopped. So Gerard is trying to get it going. And I know in the past, we nearly got it running again, but it has to be done in a different way. So Jordan will speak a bit about that. We also have Cathy Nigel from Inishmore. And I hope, hopefully Cathy, I think she's on there now, from a ferry going to Inishmore. So Cathy is like one of the advocates for island, islands over the years, um, very experienced person. She works for the Corkum in, in, in Ishmore, which would be the largest populated island. Um, a lot of experience in a lot of different levels. So today she's speaking about their waste and recycling project on the island, which is another success story. Um, so that'll be very interesting. And then lastly is Martina Mellard. He's the manager of Cape Clear, um, Corcom and Clara in Cape Clear. And Martin, over the years, he's actually the climate change officer, with call on the Heron. Um, so he's going to speak to us today about the transition from fossil fuels to renewable energy and the benefits to the island economy and also to the environment. So I know we're running kind of tight in time. So I'm going to go straight to George Sullivan. So George, you're very welcome. So you can take the, the mic there, George. Yeah. Hello, John, and
3: thank you very much for that. I'm not sure, sure, I'm to live up to that, but anyway. Um, my name is George Sullivan. Um, myself and my wife, Captain, own and I run Bear Island Porcher. We give you a little small brief history of it. Um, I worked for 13 years on the sinker lift in Castellum Bear, last 18 boats. With the uh, boat size increasing, the lift in Castellum Bear would become too small for the new replacement vessels. So I decided to build the up um, And We designed it took two or three years to design and build And build it. We took 3,000 cubic meters of concrete, 300 tons of reinforced steel. We mixed on the concrete and on site, and obviously transported everything by ferry. We opened in 2004 and 2005, and after a couple of very shaky years, things picked up steadily. Firstly, the dock was partially covered, and we found it hard to adhere to schedules due to the weather conditions. Four years ago, we took down the existing structure put up a new building totally covering the dock. The dock is 44 meters long, 15 meters wide, and can take boats with a draft of six meters and then the air draft of 20 meters. This has totally changed our business. We are now we can now adhere to schedules. We are working flat out all year long without any interruptions. We currently have 20 full-time employees working with us from office staff, welders, painters, standards, partners electronic engineers, carpenters, laminators, etc. We are unique in their island as we have a number of very successful non tools related ventures. In 2015, at the All Ireland National Maritime Award, won Shipwriter of the Year, and Sean Harrington of Atlantic George and Marine from the island as well, won Marine Operator of the Year. This was a huge achievement for two operators competing on a national stage <coughs> based and operating. From a small offshore island. It gives me great satisfaction and a sense of your place. Traditionally, most people living on their island had have have, have to either immigrate or work on the mainland. Now that is slowly changing. We run a trip in the morning, a ferry trip in the morning and evening, bringing workers from the mainland to the island for work. To successfully live and flourish on any island, you have to be able. To live and work on the island. We have to provide support for indigenous industries that provide long-term, full-term employment. Build in here on an, island, on an island, a minimum of 45%, it costs a minimum of 45% extra. So we need to provide a way of making a good living to survive here. Back in the 50s, 60s and 70s, BIM built 40 yards around the coast, Batmoor, Bingle, Kilibags etc. to train and build our fishing fleet. It was a wonderful endeavour, it, uh, it was a catalyst for our modern fishing industry and provide our remote communities with extraordinary skilled people. Um, they have a huge array and they have a huge array of skills that made them very valuable in the local community.
1: Sorry to interrupt you for a second Gerber, could you speak a wee bit closer to the mic because a few people not picking you up.
3: These skill sets are badly wanted now. Indeed, our biggest problem when we started was trying to get skilled labour. I went to Poland where our core group of labour came from. Gradually, we employed local people and they in turn picked up the skills. But today, we need to look to the future. We need to train our local people who live in the area. We need to provide a skill set for the young people who want to work locally who want to live locally and bring their families We, as employers, need to come on. We are competing with the big players for skilled labor. We have to innovate and keep all sides of the box. We can't compete the way we are. We need to add value to our most precious and precious resource, our team, ourselves. We need to constantly upskill and innovate. We have the neck. We have the skills. We have the experience to compete international and international marketplace from our tiny but resilient islands. But we need help. We need it now and we are trying we are trying to get a shipwrecked of friendship going with 10 years. It's not just us, it's Moonies in Kilyvades, and Finan in Blanche Island, the yards in Old cottons to and several more. We have got great support from the Marine Surveyor's Office, Classification Societies, etc. We need to bring this industry to a new level. We need our people to be trained and certified to the highest level if we are to thrive. There are huge opportunities coming down the track, namely offshore wind, new shipping corridors, etc. But we are not going to compete with the big players if we continue to pat ourselves on the back and tell ourselves that we are doing everything right. All the infrastructure is in place. BIM and our local VEs can do the apprenticeships locally. All it needs is the political will to make it happen. And I think if it doesn't happen soon, yeah, we're going to slip away behind again. So,
2: Dan, that's just my contribution. Okay. Thanks, Millinger. That was, that was very interesting. And there'll be a time at the end for questions. So I'm going to move straight to Cathy, who is on the, the ferry going into Inishmore. Cathy, how are you? Oh ho,
1: ho, ho. Unmute, Cathy. You're on mute. You? you have
2: to unmute, Cathy.
4: Oh, no. Yeah, can you yeah. hear me now? We can hear okay. now, yeah. Good woman. Okay. <laughs> I'll fly into this while we're still having a connection. Now to explain to the other participants, I was due to fly in this morning um, and would be at my desk at before 9 o'clock. But Due to weather, there was no plane. So I suppose this is the joy of island life and this is what we have to do. So I'm sorry, you're just looking at me now and at not shared screen. Um, as John explained my, my background, back in... Nearly 20 years ago, the Corcummen decided to look at an alternative to landfill on the island of Inishmoor. The waste system was run by the local authority and it was actually a very, very bad system. We had a harbour landfill on a beautiful scenic site. And we lobbied for years for change, but to no avail. So the Corcom and the cooperative decided, okay, if we're going to change, we're going to have to do it ourselves. And we started looking for funding and seeking funding and got support from Rilabalphatham, from Ul they would be the agencies that deal with the Irish-speaking islands, and from Galway County Council and the Department of Environment at the time. Now, if, if any of you here in Ireland, if you go back over 20 years ago, there was no recycling whatsoever in the country. It was really unheard of. So we were way ahead of the posse, really. Um, so we decided to bring the three iron islands together and we formed a company called So which was basically the environment of the islands. And um, 20 years later, it's a huge, huge success story. At the time, um, lots of the agencies that backed us, they don't so, they said reluctantly, they thought we were mad and that it would never work. Um, We now have an amazing main plant on Enishmore. We employ eight people in total, we recycle, It's over nearly 60% of the waste of Inishmore is now recycled, which is much higher than the average in the country. Um, We compost, um, we collect food, and we create our own compost, so that's reducing waste leaving the islands. So basically all types of waste is collected on the island. Some are sent out to the mainland, uh, the landfill that cannot be recycled. we get support from Hubble because, again, I suppose the economy is a scale on the island we can't afford. It's, it's not profit-making, and never will be. But for us, the profit is that we've closed a horrible landfill site. We've created a much better alternative to dealing with our waste. And we created eight full-time jobs on the Three Iron Islands, which, again, a full-time job on an island is nearly equivalent to 10 jobs created on the mainland. Um, as I said, at the time, Bowie County Council kind of reluctantly backed us, but they did, in fairness, and now they're huge supporters of it, and there would be a director of the company. But the day the land, the day the day recycling centre opened on Inishmore was the day that the unsightly landfill site closed on Inishmore, and that was our objective, and we achieved that. So we're, we're 20, I can't believe we're 20 years down the road, um, when I was thinking back on years, as I, I had some slides and stuff, but I'm afraid it's just me on the ferry. But that's, that's the story. We're, I suppose, probably the only island around the coast of Ireland that would have this, our islands, three islands, that would have this type of recycling and waste recovery facility. Um, we won a, a national award last year an All-Ireland award where we were up against huge companies and huge communities. So it was um, a great achievement to win that award. It was a recognition to the work that the Three Iron Islands have done in recycling and waste recovery. Um, It costs about 500,000 a year to run the the three facilities on the islands. And again, without support from the council and the public to pay for the wages, it wouldn't be sustainable. But that's the fact that most projects on the islands they're not sustainable and um, due to just the, the population base isn't there but we need the services and we need to provide these types of services and these types of requirements so i think that's it kind of in a nutshell john as i said it's kind of um, I had well, that was, that was excellent katie yeah,
2: okay no thanks a million that was very interesting and uh, thanks for for taking the call on board sure, the ferry yeah, you know, that, know yeah, that adds okay. to the adds to the Ooh. experience you so go. <laughs> yeah. Hold the line there again in case we have any all questions. Right. Yeah, okay. All right. All Thank right. you, Kathy Okay, that was that was great there from Kathy uh, Neagle from Inish and um, so we will have a chance if there's any questions for Kathy after um, the, Our next speaker. So Martina my, my Lord is the manager of Cork and um, I know Martin well and we do a lot of work together down here uh, with the West Cork Islands and also nationally and also in Europe um, so Martin today is going to talk about a topic that's very relevant at the moment. And it's about, um, you know, transitioning island communities from fossil fuels onto renewable energy and how that can benefit the economy of the island and how it can also benefit um, the environment. So the
0: floor is yours, Martin. Okay, Guru ra and um, uh, thanks everybody for attending today. It's great to see so many people attending and um, so many familiar faces, and indeed new faces and new names as well. So um, in the context of sustainable island economies, um, I suppose you have to say that uh, islanders have always been innovative. Um, there was always a need, I suppose, for, for independence for islanders to survive, and indeed those in coastal communities as well. Um, and certainly now looking to the future and now that we're, you know, hopefully when we head into the, I know we're all tired of hearing about it at the moment as we head into the, you know, post COVID world and that new world that we're heading into now um, smart islands are, you know, becoming smart islands is going to be very important um, for survival and sustainability, you know, economically and socially and culturally and everything else of the islands. Um, I think that smart islands, as we develop smart islands, both when I say smart islands, I mean in terms of like using um, digital technology and renewable energy technology in the future, I think that the islands will become a real education point for the mainland. Um, I have to, I can't go on without mentioning, I've written myself a note here that like um, Brendan had mentioned, Brendan Smith had mentioned circular economy and really, you know, that would be increased by the transition to clean energy because you're creating um, employment not only through development of infrastructure for renewable energy sources on islands, but then you would also have maintenance of all of that. And then you also have the fact that you would be creating energy on the island and therefore not sending money off the island, you know, to energy providers who are based on the mainland or, you know, soon we may be paying those who are Based, for example, in Ireland, we could be paying those who are based in mainland Europe, you know, when we had the interconnector up and running between Ireland and France. Um, also, in, in talking about um, transition to clean energy, it's also important that we talk about water on the islands and the importance of water for sustainable island economies. Because I know that there are some islands at the moment, including Araswa was one of them where um, potable water. Availability was a big challenge, particularly between the months of May and September, which, of course, is when you have tourists coming to the island and all of that. And just by way of that, I would mention to you that we have um, we've had a water mains rehabilitation work carried out out on Cape Clear Island, where basically all of the water mains were replaced on the island. And we had, in fact, been leaking 90 percent, that is 90 percent of the water out of the system. So that was creating a couple of issues. One, of course, there was a huge amount of energy being uh, wasted, I suppose. Also, we were over pumping, which is not good for your ground uh, water table. And then also we had huge amounts, like I say, parts of the year where we didn't have water. And in some cases it was affecting some economic activity on the island. So um, so don't be afraid to look at your water system when you're looking at um, clean energy transition on an island. I think green tourism as islands um, develop their energy, clean energy transition. And like there is a, a market out there for green tourism and the islands, uh, certainly the islands in Ireland and um, part of the thing that we have in terms of sustainability is the island um, populations. And I think that green tourism will bring um, people to the islands that will be obviously interested in greenness, but also then that may be interested in a different way of life and certainly we're seeing a lot of interest in the islands at the moment post well not post COVID, but post lockdown at the moment and i think that um that definitely there's a role to play there for a clean energy transition in helping the overall sustainability of the islands and um, the radio project that sarah was speaking about earlier that of course involves um, bear island and shirkin island also um, the transmissions that we're doing from Cape Clare Island up on Quarantine Hill, and yes, that is the name of the hill, up on the top of Quarantine Hill on Ilan Clara, we have a PV system with um, actually with lead acid batteries and an inverter and the panel then that was fitted by our good friend Paul Broderick. And we are actually broadcasting from there. And um, the last few broadcasts have actually been 100% green, where we have been actually powering them um, using the, the solar PV only. I did put a link into the chat there for the um, EU Clean Energy Islands Secretariat. The EU Clean Energy Islands initiative is an initiative that has come out of the um, European Commission, where basically they have, they're recognizing the importance of islands um, for a clean energy transition across Europe and that the islands are a good, not only a testing and a proving ground, um, for clean, green energy, and that there will be a lot that can be learned from transitioning on the islands that can then be a benefit to transition on the mainland. And we do have an upcom- upcoming workshop on the 23rd and 24th um, of September, for those who are interested in, um, in any way in the, in the Irish islands, or indeed in European islands, and um, I will arrange with Noreen and Trish that we can send out the details to those who are taking part in today's um, in, to, in today's sessions. And then I also want to mention that in Ireland, we're very lucky in Ireland that we have the Marine and Renewable Energy Islands, Ireland um, Centre down in Ring of Skiddy, which is, of course, also um, part of UCC or um, UCC. And... Um, They're working there on various research and development of um, marine based uh, clean energy, you know, renewable energy sources such as wave and tidal and offshore wind and all of those. And, you know, they're all going to be very important uh, resources for the Irish islands and for European and world islands generally in developing um, clean energy transition in a marine or in an islands context. Now, I don't know if I've used up my time or not, but um, I know... About 30 just... seconds, Martin. Huh? About 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Okay. Yeah. So I know we're all we're hearing everything about clean energy transition at the moment, and it's all talk, talk, talk. And we do need to convert that into action. So on Cape Clear Island, just the last thing I'll mention is on Cape Clare Island now at the moment, we just started a, a green transport pilot project, and we have two small electric minibuses, and we're going to be installing PV panels and micro wind to charge those. And it's those sort of small initiatives one by one. There's not going to be one big bang in terms of energy transition on the islands. It's going to be bit by bit by bit, and we just need to get started on it. And um, indeed, some, there are some islands like Egg and Samso and others around Europe um, that can be very good examples for us of how that can be done. So. Okay. And uh, thanks for listening to me there.
2: Thanks very much, Martin. Um, so that was another great presentation. Um, hopefully now we'll get a few questions. I know we're running a small bit behind time and I know we want to get to the breakout sessions. So Trish, will I pass over to you?
1: I think, do you want to just give five minutes there for... Or questions? questions? Just, we'll just see if there's any questions first. If there aren't, they can, they can be maybe referred to the breakout room or the final plenary session.
2: Okay, there's nothing in the chat, but if anyone has a question that they'd like to ask and just name the speaker you'd like to ask the question to.
0: I was happy? just going
2: to say, actually, if anybody wants to unmute themselves, John, to ask the question, or there's yeah. also a feature where you can like put up your hand, so please do so, yeah. Um, I suppose I was really interested in Cathy's uh, talk on the, the recycling on the islands, do you know, I mean,
1: it's... I can understand there's so many extra costs involved, but it seems like something fairly essential, really, um, for islands all over the world,
4: big and small. Um, it's even, it's quite depressing to think of the amount of waste that goes
2: from the big island of Ireland off of this island to other countries, you know, the idea of just shipping waste off. I think it's happening everywhere. Um, you know, did it take, sorry, Kathy. you may have said this, and I don't know. Happy, still is a good set, signal, but did it take a long time to get that set up and to
4: get it planned? i tell you, it, it took about four years. We started in 1996, and as I said at the time, there was no, it was noted, very difficult to even get information how to set it up. But around the time, I think Emmett Stagg was the Minister for Environment, and he, he launched this initiative of funding for community groups our community groups with the local authority and we went for that funding and secured funding through the department of environment we also got funding through and through uh, those departments back so we nearly i won't say we got 100 funding but quite close to it it was totally new totally different and it, it changed how we dealt with waste and how we look at waste on the island and we recycle most of it now it's quite amazing we get a lot of groups coming looking at the plant so people were just landing in here now, if you can see. We are just landed in Tinnishmore. So people are going to start moving. Um okay. But it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's been a huge success story. We've had Kohal Ilana Hayden, the meeting some years back, we'd done a tour, most would have seen it. And it really is, it, it worked. It just changed the whole way, even how we look at waste and deal with waste. Which you mentioned there, I suppose, just to say, one of the most discouraging facts is our recycling rates are so, so high. And then you'll hear on national news that recycling packages have been sent off to, to you know, remote islands and being dumped. And that's really discouraging when you're making such an effort at a local level. And then you find out what you're recycling really isn't being recycled in some cases.
2: OK, thanks for that, Katie. I know there's a question here. Barry Mahan asked the question, was the refit of the Yillin, which is a timber... Um, ship that was done recently in, in Skibreen, but I think George, you answered that question further down. Um, There's also a
1: question there, John, from Marching. Uh, for Marching, it seems that the small islands have great potential to net exporters of energy. Are there any energy cooperatives on the islands so the profits can remain with the residents? That's from John Paramo.
0: So, do you have an answer to that, uh, Martin? Yeah, I'm here. So I know, so in the Iron Islands, the Iron Islands actually were one of the, the Iron Islands as a group or one of the 26 uh, EU clean energy islands as named by the EU Commission and Cape Clare Island is another one of those. So for example, on, on, up in the Iron Islands now, they have set up the Iron Islands Energy Cooperative. And um, I do know that whatever about around Ireland, like for example, over in, on the island of Shapensy in Scotland, they have a really good system there where they have, um, they have a wind turbine that is providing funding then for other community development work, in, including um, community transport on the island. So there really is, there, there are very good examples out there. Um, you know That's a very good way to go like, into the future. Okay. And um, we would hope even on even on in on Cape Clear Islands now, we would hope that um, in the future that if we were um, exporting power that then that the money from that would be used for community development.
2: Okay, thanks Martin. Just the last question. question. So to, to the last question that Jordar um, Barry Mann was asking was the Illin shipbuilding project a training project, Jordan? I see Jordan on the phone.
1: While he's on the phone, T.O. Yeah. Morrison has a question there for you, John.
5: Uh, wanted to say that I'm here in Grimsey in in the Outer Hebrides of Scotland um, and at our Education Authority at Coyun and Aylonshire we did link the curriculum we realised we were doing education for export so we linked the curriculum to local economic opportunities and I can send all this information but that did include if the course didn't exist then we had the course written and validated by the National Board Uh, so we wrote uh, traditional boat building of course Scots Gaelic was embedded within that course as vocabulary but also the crofting which as you would know is a form of small holding farming that we have here in 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 Scotland Um, but it didn't have a qualification so that qualification was nationally accredited it sits you know in terms of university tariff points or anything else tariff points it sits alongside the physics the history and everything else but it is a locally accredited course Um, with the right skills appropriate for young people to be able to work in their own community. It also validates those skills, Brendan, you were talking about that. And all I can say is, in short, because time is moving on, that um, the agricultural committees of a couple of our islands here now have people on them. The chair is maybe 29 years of age. The vice chair, 24 years of age. These are young people who have chosen to stay in the community, feel a sense of rootedness in it. And I'm quite sure the crofting course has had quite a lot of um, reasons for that, if I can say that. But I can share that at another time. There isn't time.
2: That would be great, Tiona. Thanks a million for that. And just oh, yeah. before I ask George a question, um, Tony Lewis just said there, the Ilan was mentioned, but there was also the construction of the Genie Johnson in Um and he was saying as well all one-off projects. But we need a coordinated skill creation. Um, so maybe just George, if you just maybe the last question, just say, Gary Mann was asking there about the Ilan. Was was that um, kind of an int- or a shipwright project, or was it just one-off project again?
3: Yeah, that was a one-off. Project and very successful actually, and even um, the boys in the were were part of the with with us in this trying to get this team together, and because we we recognise that one off things are not good enough. We need we need this to be a long term thing. We had something started actually with and um, Kerry Kerry TV, and um, before the COVID thing, and we had 40 applicants for about six places. So there is a huge appetite for it, and um, because these are these are skills that we can, and um, they can they're very transferable, and they're very they sit very well with our communities because we can a guy that's able to work on and ship and boats can build houses, he can transfer the skills. So I think it's a it's a huge thing, but it, it's a it's an absolute disgrace for an island nation not to have recognised apprenticeship for shipboard, and we're talking about green energy, we're talking about Wave energy, we're talking about wind energy. We're talking about the corridors. The way things are changing, the shipping corridors up and, up and down the Atlantic, especially with the North Atlantic opening, we're in a, we're in an amazing place. For the first time in our life, we're we're in the right place. But we have to be able to take advantage of this, and without training, and without and um, properly uh, credited schemes, we are not at the races, and we can't. And in turn, as employers we can't pay the rates unless we have the same people and, in, and to live on an island, like we said, just 30-50% more live. we need them um, high-skilled jobs.
2: Okay. Thanks okay. for that, thanks for that Um I know all the topics today between the shipwreck course, the energy and waste management, they could all, we could all be here for hours talking about each one, Never mind the three together. So it was very interesting. So thanks to all our speakers, George, Cathy and Martine. There's a lot of uh, questions coming up in the chat and maybe we could link a few people together after this, uh, Trish, if it's possible. I think so. so. I
1: think that's what we'll have to figure out in the plenary session. John, thanks so much to you and the speakers. And a fabulous session. Um, Noreen, I think we're probably going to have to roll your fingers up there. No, I just wanted uh, to pass on a message to Jer from Joe Gibbons out out here on Innisflyer. He insisted I say hello to you (laughs) and see how you're getting on.
0: (laughs)